1: PlushCare.com slash weight loss.
0: You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash.
1: episode 113 of Blue Jays nation radio your remchuk and Coomsey I'm back after watching the Toronto Blue Jays for their three gamer over the weekend um, which was very good a very positive experience Coomsy
0: was it how was how was the vibe there was the stadium all packed out and loud and raucous and excited?
1: Uh, yeah, like the Friday night, the crowd was all right. Um, I That was my first time this season seeing a night game there. The other two I went to earlier in August for both day games. So the way the lights go off after, you know, they hit home runs and all of yeah. that stuff. Very, very cool. I enjoyed that. Um, and they won. They had some big hits. Matt Chapman had a couple of dingers. It was really cool. Uh, game two was also a lot of fun. Big hit from Raimel Tapia. Another big hit from Springer. That was a blast. Game three was mm. fun for me. Let me explain. Um, so <laughs> that was the day we were leaving and we had to rent a car and we had to pick up the rental car by five at the latest, right? So we're Where watching, were you
0: picking up the rental car from?
1: Uh, we had to get it from the airport, but we had to go back to our hotel first to get our bags. So we'd, uh, we were going to see the Jays game. We were like, ah, we're probably not going to get the whole Jays game in, but we really wanted to see Manoa pitch. So we're sitting there watching and Vladdy hits that dinger in the third game. And my girlfriend and I were like, that is a perfect spot for us to end our weekend watching the Jays. And we got up and left. And we walked to the hotel. We get our bags. We get in an Uber to Uber to the airport to get our rental car. Very confusing, I know. And I'm like, oh, I'll throw the game on. See if they manage to finish it off. Pull it up on my phone and they're losing. I was like, what the hell? How did that happen in like my walk to the hotel in five minutes of being in an Uber? Um, so my experience watching the Jays was that they never trailed while I was there. Not bad.
0: Yeah, my experience leaving Jays games early is back in 2017. I was in Toronto for about a week and a half, and I left both of those Steve Pierce comeback walk-off Grand Slam games early. Both of them. Both of them. I was at both, and I left both early.
1: That's brutal. So that's the reverse of me, because I left with a great taste in my mouth. I finished my beer. I'm walking out of the stadium being like, oh, it's a beautiful day in Toronto. And uh, yeah, you can you, you, you can
0: push. tell yourself that they won that last game. You can be like, oh yeah, I flew down and watched the Jays pull off a sweep over the Orioles. That was fun. And then we drove down to Buffalo and watched the Bills on Monday Night Football. That was fun. So it was a four game sweep for you. not you're you're none the wiser.
1: Uh, Bills games. That was my first ever time being in a Bills game. Absolute mayhem. Um, that was that was one of the coolest sporting experiences of my life. Bills fans. Are you tailgate. Yeah. Like we walked around, like I didn't have like an RV or anything, but like had a case of beer and (laughs) yeah, I rented an RV, went down to Buffalo, Um, had a case of beer and just like walked around and saw all the shenanigans. It was really, really cool, man. It was, yeah. Awesome.
0: Buffalo, Buffalo's like Edmonton East. Yeah,
1: totally. Um, Similar energy. Very, very similar energies. Anyways, let's get back to the baseball here. Uh, the Blue Jays yes. had a two-gamer against the Philadelphia Phillies, which our friend Frank Saravalli was in attendance for as well. He was texting me a lot about the way these games... We should have brought him on to break down the series. That would have been... A, which, was he at both games? Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah. yeah,
0: we should have brought him on to talk about it. Is he free right now? Give him a call.
1: Yeah, just... <laughs> cold call frank onto the show uh but anyways it was a split against the phillies uh as this team likes to do when we record podcast coomsy they win early and then leave a very sour taste in our mouths late that's what they do um all in all again we're kind of sitting here being like i can't really complain about the series result because you got a split against a national league team that's in a playoff spot you were on the road like i don't know it feels fine on the surface but then when you dig into how that last game go went it's really really frustrating
0: we tell ourselves before the series that we're okay with certain results. And then when we get those certain results, we're not happy with mm-hmm. it. And I mean, this is a this is a self-criticism. This is a criticism for all of us is After that first game, they score 18 runs, and then the second game, you see the win right there, and then it's gone. But when you think about it big picture, you're like, you know, one and one against the Phillies ain't bad. You're on the road. They're a decent team. But when you've wrapped your head around the possibility of a two-game sweep and you've already registered it in your head, oh, yeah, we're going to go down to the drop, back-to-back wins, feeling good. And then when it doesn't happen, it is infuriating. Like that loss with a combination of the blown save, just the – The the slow comeback for the Phillies, single, 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 over and over and over again, coupled by the frustrating at-bats in the 10th inning. That was one of the most aggravating losses we've had in a while here.
1: Yeah, I I would tend to agree with that. So let's dig into it with three up, three down. Courtesy of our friends at DoorDash, where the promo code BJNPodDD gets you 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order. Shout out to DoorDash. Let's start with uh, the bullpen struggles, I think, is a good place to go because that's something that was... Almost an issue in both games, if we're being honest. Uh, in the second one that they lose, you know, you would have loved for Jordan Romano to come in and get them out of a jam. You would have loved for Jimmy Garcia to not have them in that jam in the first place. He gives up three earned runs, four hits, despite only getting two outs in that game. Um, very frustrating there. Also in the first game, like, man, you're up 7 nothing in the third inning. That should have been a sweat-free victory. It was not. Um, You score 18 runs, and yet your bullpen can't just go get you sort of those simple outs to keep it a blowout for most of that game. Like, you gave up 11 runs. That is really, really not good. The bullpen over the last two days was just dreadful. Well, even if you, you take it back to the series that you yep. were at, you think
0: the Sunday game, they blow, and they come into Philly, the, the bats explode and score, you know, 1,000 runs, but then Julian Merriweather comes in and allows five runs in the eighth inning to make it somewhat interesting, weirdly, and then they have to go pop off for another four runs in the top of the ninth to stretch it out again. But even then, it kind of felt like, oh, geez, like, this is a weird game with a weird energy. Philly could very easily put up seven runs in the bottom for the ninth inning. Like, who would be shocked at this point? And then it was more frustrating in the second game, of course, because you're seeing the leverage guys struggle. You're not... Yeah quite so concerned when it's a Julian Merriweather or a back end of the bullpen guy struggling. It's not the end of the world, but when you have Jimmy Garcia and Jordan Romano coming out back to back, they're supposed to be your lockdown guys, and they're not able to get the job done at this time of year, then it starts to become a little bit worrying.
1: Yeah, and and luckily for the Jays, we'll get into this, Like the out-of-down scoreboard is breaking their way for the most part, unless you really want them to catch the New York Yankees. Um, And it's not the end of the world. Like I kind of look at it With a glass half full and go, hey, if Jordan Romano is going to have some struggles, he's been used a ton this year. He's not a perfect reliever. We know that. He's not the second coming of Mariano Rivera. Like, there's going to be struggles for Jordan Romano throughout the year. So let's get him out of the way now. Let's get him working with Pete Walker. Let's figure out what needs to be figured out. You got 13 games left in the regular season to do exactly that. It'll be fine. Like, the struggles right now are concerning. But I'd be more concerned if Baltimore was one game back of them, the bullpen's crumbling in high-pressure situations, and the playoffs are on the line, right? Like, for me, I'm just kind of like, let us they'll sort through these issues, sort of. I don't know if that's a lame take on my part or not, but I have a little bit of patience for the high-end guys, Garcia, Romano, just because they've been kind of so good for the last little while that it's like, ah, okay, like, you were going to have struggles eventually, right?
0: Yeah, that's reasonable. I mean, we can't just sit here and expect everyone to be perfect, and... I guess the the chaos fan or the overly negative or the overly stressed out fan would look at this and be like, oh, you know what? Like he's burning out, it's the end of the year or the pressure is getting higher and they can't handle it. I don't think that's really the issue. These guys know how to pitch in pressure situations. A pressure situation, I think in May isn't necessarily inherently that different from a pressure situation in September. I mean, yeah, obviously the stakes are higher when you're at this time of year. There's less runway, things matter more, but these guys know how to pitch in pressure situations. For a guy like Romano, it's like you said, they're running into a problem now and they can figure out how to solve it. Okay, he's throwing his slider too much and teams are keying in on it and they're hitting it. And they're not swinging through it like they did earlier in the season well thankfully jordan romano also has a fantastic fastball in the upper 90s that he can probably start throwing more and then you realize that now that you've blown back-to-back games for the first time in your career and you can make that adjustment as you move into the playoffs and i think the key here is just looking at what the issue is and then figuring out what the solution is it's not oh geez jordan romano forgot how to pitch or he's scared of big games or something like that like these are these are more than likely solvable problems and it will be okay 100%.
1: Uh, Let's get to our second down, and that game, just so winnable when you look at the fact that (laughs) you had bases loaded, one out, Teoscar Hernandez coming up to bat, and the down is going to be that Teoscar Hernandez at bat, but the lead up to it is what's even more frustrating, because the Alejandro Kirk at bat, he drew a walk, three of the four balls were sliders. He couldn't throw his slider at all. They were speculating on the broadcast that, you know, oh, maybe it's an issue. It was Bilotti who was pitching for for the uh, Phillies. They're like, oh, maybe it's an issue with the ball right now. Because he had one slider that was one of the worst attempts I've ever seen a major league pitcher throw a slider. It basically broke the other way. Like, you could tell the catcher was set up, like, low and away, and his slider broke towards a right-handed batter. And it was That was weird. So they're speculating about the ball. The point I'm getting at here is he walked Alejandro Kirk and he missed on three of his four sliders in that at-bat. He walked Matt Chapman missing on three sliders in that at-bat as well. Threw back-to-back balls to walk him as well when he had two strikes on Chapman. And then he gets to Teoscar Hernandez, slider away for a ball, slider low for a ball. And then Teoscar Hernandez swings at a pitch that was lower than both of those pitches. Totally bails him out. There's no other way to say it. Just an inexcusable swing. Oh, one bad swing doesn't... That changed the entire at-bat. The fact that you would have been up 3-0 with the bases loaded, you're probably getting a fastball down the middle next because this guy can't throw his slider. But you bailed him out, had to watch the next pitch go in for a strike as well. And then there you go. That's the that's the at bat. I know someone tweeted me and was like, "It was a hundred and five mile an hour line drive up the middle. Nothing you can do about that. They caught it and made a good play." And it's like, "Yeah, sure, that was fine, but he probably would have walked if he just didn't swing at that third pitch, and the Jays would have had the lead." It
0: almost felt like, and I mean, I'm I'm probably reaching here for some speculation, but you saw the pitcher's reaction a little bit after Teoscar made that swing, and this pitcher looked like he had completely lost it and he was feeling in his head, okay, I'm going to walk the bases loaded. I'm going to walk in a run. I'm going to walk in another run. This is terrible. Like, this is really bad. And then he swung through that pitch and it looked like the guy got... A second wind yeah. like a second life and then all of a sudden it was just the pitching after that seemed a little bit more locked in. it's like it got a little bit of a confidence rush it was okay like i got this guy to swing through my pitch like i'm feeling better now and then it seemed after that like he locked in a little bit more and i mean that being said like of course there's a tremendous amount of luck on the philly's side with Teoscar happening to hit the ball right at the yeah. second baseman for a double play but I mean, you, you, like you said, there, there was there was certainly an element of bailing him out, just swinging through that pitch. When you have a pitcher struggling that hard to throw strikes, you got to sit back and make him do it. You can't be swinging at a slider like that. Something outside of the zone. It just it it, it completely changed the at bat.
1: Yeah, it totally did and It completely changed the outcome of the game because once again, Tao walks. Even if they don't get another run after that, you're up by one. And all of a sudden, maybe that bottom of the 10th doesn't go the way it did, right? It was a basically a weak chopper up the middle that got through because the Jays were playing their infield in because they had uh, it was a tie game. If that's not a tie game, maybe that's a chopper up the middle that you're getting out at second base. You're out of that inning all of a sudden. Something else goes right. Like, it's just that one swing. I know it's such a small moment in a large sample of a 9-10 of a inning ball game, but like Just a wildly frustrating swing from a guy who I would describe as probably the most frustrating hitter on the Blue Jays. Because there's one game where, you know, okay, he's laying off that stuff. He's going four for five in the first game of that series. And then in game two, he's just, he has moments like that where it's similar to him when he was base running that one game, right? And he ended up getting benched for that. Or in the series against Baltimore, or sorry, it was before the Baltimore series, when he like held on to that ball. It was against the Mm -hmm. Rays and just like let a Rosarena run in. Like he just makes these plays that just you shake your head. Like, dude, you're an all-star caliber ball player. You can't be having these hiccups in September.
0: Yeah. And I mean, this is kind of the opposite of what we were talking about here with Romano. You're like, okay, Romano's blown back-to-back saves, but they can key in on what the issue is and change it. But with situations like this, the Teoscar at-bat, it's kind of like, are you going to continue having at-bats like this into the playoffs? And this is what makes fans anxious. This is when you see at bats like this in key situations, you're like, oh, geez, like this is something that uh, this is not exactly what you want in those those types of situations. Yeah. Right. Maybe we're digging into it too much or maybe we're being a little bit too critical or something. But yeah, it's hard not to have that. That's that anxiety when you're you're having at bats like this in late September.
1: Yeah, I'm never someone who does the whole freak out and whatever, but I just, you can't trust him. Like, he just, you never know when the boneheaded play is going to come from Teoscar Hernandez. And last night it came at a really, really frustrating moment. Uh, Let's move on to our third down. Julian Merriweather gets lit up and then sent down. Uh, Nate Pearson was not the name who got called up, but Coombsie. I'm going to go ahead and say our third down is the fact that they didn't call up Nate Pearson because I think this guy needs to be on the Major League roster.
0: Yeah, I mean, no disrespect necessarily to the guy they did call up, left-handed pitcher um, Foster Griffin. He's had a really good season in AAA, former first-round pick. So there's obviously upside there, but I think everyone's a little confused as to why Nate Pearson's not on the roster yet. He's pitched now five outings with AAA Buffalo. They're usually spaced out every three days. Um, The first one he pitched was on the 8th of September and then it was the 13th, 16th, 18th, 21st was the most recent one. So all told, he's gone five innings, has allowed one hit, three walks, no earned runs and has struck out eight guys. So, I mean, he's getting the results in Buffalo. The one thing that's concerning, obviously, is the walks. It's somewhat concerning. Three walks and in five innings, not the end of the world. But all those strikeouts are exciting. And the Jays really could use another swing and miss guy because Merriweather was supposed to be that addition. He pitched quite well in his first few outings, but then completely lost it in Philly. I'm not really sure what they're waiting for with Nate Pearson. Um, I feel like he's kind of showed in AAA what he was supposed to show. And they're just running out of time. Like, you want, if he's going to, be a part of the team in the playoffs, which a lot of people have kind of hoped that he would be, then you kind of have to get him out there and try at some point, right?
1: 13 games to go in the regular season. If he's gonna if he's on this kind of rotation where he you're comfortable with him throwing every three games in regards to or every three days in regards to his health. I don't want Nate Pearson pitching in the playoffs unless he probably has four games or four appearances under his belt at the major league level. So I think the clock's kind of ticking on, on a chance to get him up with the big club here and get him some reps. Because again, you don't need him to be, it's not like we're saying it's, it's not like it's April and we're like, Hey, call up Nate Pearson. Cause he to be an impact arm the rest of the way. You literally just need lightning in a bottle for a month. And it could be huge for you in terms of the playoff run. So I think you do it now to get his feet wet and you, you see if maybe you, Get that lightning in a ball. It's obviously not a guarantee. We've seen that before with Pearson. We've gotten excited about Pearson uh-huh. many times in the past. It's not, again, going to be automatic that he comes out and is just lights out every time he gets the ball. But I think after seeing what he's been doing at AAA, he deserves that opportunity to, to come up and see if the Jays can make him another impact bullpen arm a la Aaron Sanchez in 2015, right?
0: that'd be ideal. I mean, you kind of see you, 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 you see the Bisons tweet out. Oh, Aaron's or I'm um, not Aaron's. I just Nate Pearson struck out four straight guys. And you're like, Oh, that's cool. But then you're also thinking in your head, geez, it's kind of frustrating that they're wasting these bullets in AAA games that don't necessarily matter so much. Maybe Nate Pearson could have been up doing that at the big league level, or maybe he wouldn't, who knows? Like maybe, you know, obviously they're not, like the Blue Jays obviously have a plan for him. They're not just winging it day by day. Like they want they want him to do something certain in the minors before they give him that shot at the big league level. But from a fan's perspective, when you don't know all of the information, you look at it and you see, geez, this guy's really killing it down there. I really wish he was throwing these pitches up at the big league level. And I really do hope we see Nate Pearson up soon. It would be not, like it's the whole season. He hasn't, hasn't been around and it's unfortunate. You'd like to see him at least have a chance to contribute when they're in this spot.
1: We're going to wrap up three down with a tweet from James and T.O. who uh, had this on Whit Merrifield. Since he's arrived, the Blue Jays are now 5-15 and 15 with Whit Merrifield in the starting lineup and 20-2 and two when he's not. They've lost six in a row, he adds, a few in tragic fashion. And when he's been in the starting lineup, and they've won 15 straight when he isn't. Um, obviously, one player doesn't win or lose you a ball game to that extent, that extreme. Um, that's weird. It's just it's just a weird, quirky stat. I don't know. It's not obviously. It's funny. Yeah, Whit Merrifield hasn't cost them six straight ball games. Um, but it's just funny to see that as like a damn. Like when they don't put their best roster out there, I, that's what I view it as. Like, hey, when you don't have like the A plus lineup out there, they're struggling a little bit. Um, but anyways, funny tweet.
0: Yeah, it's, 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 that's kind of funny because also in the, in the Wednesday game against Philly is he's the one who starts the rally where they go ahead in the game. Yeah. He hits the single and then George Springer reaches on that fielder's choice error thing, whatever that was, <laughs> then Blatty hits the home run. So it's like, oh, here's what Merrifield's contributing. And then they still wind up losing the game. The guy is cursed. I don't know, like uh, maybe going out and acquiring a player from the Kansas City Royals, given the history between the two organizations was just a bad idea.
1: No boy. <laughs> it's a All curse. Right. Let's get to the three up from this series against Philly because we did spend a a good amount of time there dwelling on the negatives. Uh, They scored 18 runs in a single baseball game. That is wildly (laughs) impressive. They had 21 hits in the game as well. And one of the more impressive parts of this one for me was they did it with only two home runs. And they also did it with the top three guys in their lineup, Bo, Vlad, and Springer, only combining for four of their 21 hits. Like, it was dingers from Jackie Bradley Jr. and Matt Chapman, who's red hot right now. Um, But it was, like, the lower parts of the lineup and just hits and doubles and things like that that drove in all these runs. That's what was impressive to me, is that it wasn't just, like, everyone hit big home runs and they got, like, two grand slams in the game. Like, they earned, really, really earned their way to these 18 runs, grinded them out, I should say.
0: Yeah, this is the exact kind of pop off rally we wanted to see. We spoke about this a few weeks ago when the bats weren't really clicking. We we're like, oh man, like every time the Jays have a big game, it's just you know a three run home run and a two run home run, and we'd love to see them just be able to score runs in different ways. However that is, maybe take a couple walks and hit a double, just have a more a more multi dimensional offense if that makes sense. And that's what we saw in this game against the Phillies. It was just. It was, that, it was that gif, you know, of um, the, the, the players going around and just hitting the balls over and over and over again. You know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. It's like that, and that's what it was. It was every single time they came up, they were locked in, and they were hitting everything, and it shows just how much ability this lineup has top to bottom. Everybody can contribute. Like, there is some weaker spots, but there at the very bottom, you have Tapia and Jansen. Jansen's inexplicably very clutch this year. Tapia too, it's the same thing. Like he, me and BK talked about this when you were gone is that Tapia has the same, the same kind of energy as Zeke Carrera did in 2016, where you're like, this like weird speedy left-handed hitter is just going to like gut punch the other team with a perfectly timed, perfectly placed hit. And that's just what he does. And that's what we saw from the lineup top to bottom is just everyone contributing. And that's what you like to see.
1: That's Yeah, and more of that, please, as we head down the stretch here in the final 13 games. Uh, Kevin Gosman, although the Jays did not win the game, he was tremendous in the second, uh, in in that finale. Six innings, eight strikeouts, no earned runs. He walked two, gave up five hits, but who cares? He pitched six innings, a shutout ball for this team, and after a couple of starts that were... I, I don't want to say, a, Rocky isn't maybe the best way to put it, but he gave up a, a decent amount of runs over his last two starts, five in each one of them. I know in the Tampa Bay one, it was basically like one bad inning ended up costing him those five runs. But still, it's nice to see him put up a goose egg here, and similar to the lineup that we just talked about with everyone contributing, hopefully this is Kevin Gosman building in the right direction before the playoffs here.
0: The crazy thing about Kevin Gosman is that he's been... As good as he has been this year, despite some, I don't know, what do you call it? Absurdly bad luck, bad yeah. defense behind him. There was a tweet during his start from Mike Petrello, and he points out that Kevin Gossman has the highest batting average on balls, balls in play allowed in a season of at least 150 innings pitched in baseball history. Like, this isn't, oh, the last 10 years, this guy's having a rough time with BABIP. This is, you know, since 2000. No, this is all time which is nuts. So like this guy doesn't allow a tremendous amount of contact, but when he does, it's the batting average on balls in play is significantly high. And despite that, he still works around and has been one of the better pitchers in major league baseball. Like where would you put him? Like top 20, top 15 kind of thing. Like he's not going to win the American league Cy Young, but Gosman's been, I'd say one of the better starters in baseball this year. Top 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 few percentile, and he does that despite the fact that for some reason inexplicably, whether it's defense or the baseball gods or whoever it is, just demands that every time he throws a pitch and the other team gets their bat on the ball that the ball lands on the grasp.
1: Yeah, it's just it's absurdly bad luck, and there's nothing you can do about that if you're Kevin Gosman. But he's uh, I I like that outing. I think for the most part, even the outing against Tampa Bay was fine. Again, it wasn't like we. He gave up five runs, but there was that three-run dinger from Franco, and right before that, he probably does—he threw a strike. It should have been a strikeout. They probably should have been out of that inning uh, before Franco even came up to bat. So, like, it was just some bad luck from Gosman. But it's great to see him grinding through it. Uh, our third up, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has two home runs in his last three ball games. He is riding a pretty good streak right now. In his last week, he's batting 300 just said the two dingers. He's got a hit streak right now that is one, two, three, 4, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 16 games long. Like again, we, I, I don't really? think I'm reading the stats page that incorrectly.
0: No, I think you're right. I mean, I they've been talking about him being on a streak for the past few weeks, but it's got to be one of the quietest streaks of all time because the only things you hear about Four, Vladi from games. you know from anybody online is just that he's struggling, he looks lost, he looks broken, everything's on the ground. But then, meanwhile, he's you know he hasn't
1: hit in every single game in the past couple of weeks. It's really weird. <laughs> it's a really weird stretch for Vladdy. Uh over the last week. In 30 at-bats, he's hitting 300. He's got six RBIs, three home runs. So a home run every 10 at-bats is, like, good, really good. I don't know. Like, it just feels weird. I mean, before that, he went, like, 37, whatever many at-bats it was without a home run. Like, it wasn't good. But, again, we're talking about building in the right direction before the playoffs here. And I like to think Vladdy's maybe doing that. I don't know.
0: It's just a, it's just a, it's just a reality of our expectations. Last yep. year, he hits forty-eight home runs and puts up a one thousand OPS. So now we look at thirty home runs and an eight thirty-two OPS, which is essentially like a prime Edwin Encarnacion season, and we're just shaking our heads at it. Yep. And it's it, that's just that's just the the reality of how good he was last year and what that's kind of done for him based on expectations. And you know, it's that's the funny thing is you. This is is where the eye test can kind of fail you with baseball is there is merit to being frustrated with his at bats, I think. We talked about it with Teoscar. Vladi does swing through some terrible pitches and he has some at-bats where it just looks like you look like you just got called up from AAA and you've never seen a big league pitch before because you just swung through three things. That's insane. But then you go and look at the stats and it's like, well, you know, this guy's got a 900 OPS over the past week and he hits every single day. And, you know, then that's sometimes how the eye test fails you. Like, it looks like he's struggling, but is he actually? I don't know. Maybe my expectations are just completely out of whack.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, that's going to do it for three up, three down, delivered by our friends at DoorDash. Let's uh, step aside here, Coombsy, and we come back. We'll take a look around the American League. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus.
0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
1: Uh, the Jays, it depends how you look at it, it depends on how, which race you're concerned with. They got some help on the out of town scoreboard. The Rays lost three. Now they have to go up against the Jays. Like Tampa Bay's not coming into this series with any sort of positive momentum.
0: No, not at all. The the Rays and the Mariners really look like they don't want to make the playoffs. I mean, the Yankees pulled themselves together. It looked for a minute there in that first game against the Pirates. They were losing and it was like, oh, yeah, like, here we go. The Yankees are going to lose to the Pirates. But Then they got their shit together and they were like, you know what? We're playing the Pirates. It was actually really similar to the Jays series against the Pirates earlier in September where it was like, these are weirdly close games, but they did manage to win all three. The Yankees did go ahead and spank them around a little bit after that first game that looked like they were going to lose, but yeah, Tampa and Seattle, I'm not really sure what's going on here. All of a sudden, you know, Baltimore looks like they were completely falling off, but they're still most certainly within striking distance of both the Rays and the Mariners, like the Rays are rolling in, looking completely anemic. The pitching is still there. The depth is fine. But the bats are just completely gone. Like, this is far from a potent, pesky, frustrating Tampa Bay Rays lineup that we've seen in the past.
1: Yeah. Uh, Four and six in their last 10. This is a big, big series for them. No team is rooting for the Toronto Blue Jays harder this weekend than the Baltimore Orioles, who sit four and a half games back at Tampa. And I'm sure Baltimore's just sitting there going, man, if Toronto pulls off a four-game sweep of the Rays, that would do wonders for the Orioles in their playoff chances, which are kind of on life support right now. They're four back at Seattle, four and a half back at Tampa, and they're going up against a very good Houston team who just swept the Tampa Bay Rays. So um, it's nice to see the Jays in that top spot. It's nice to know that if they just, you know, do their part for the rest of the regular season. They'll be hosting that first-round series, but it is worth noting, on September 30th, the Canadian government has announced changes, the Arrive Can app, all that stuff, kind of being crumped up and thrown out, and you don't need to be vaccinated to enter Canada anymore, which is great news if your name is Robbie Ray.
0: Yeah, exactly. This is, this. is That's the first thing that came to mind for me when I saw this, which was, okay, now if the Jays are hosting Seattle, then Robbie Ray can finally make yeah. his return to Toronto and pitch against the Blue Jays. I saw a question on Twitter. I think Minor Leaguer was the one who asked it. Since Robbie Ray wasn't with the team when the Mariners came uh, to Toronto earlier in the season, this hypothetically, if this were to happen, the Jays playing Seattle in the playoffs would be Robbie Ray's return to Toronto. Would you give him a video tribute for winning the Cy Young? No, you wouldn't do that. I would give him
1: a video tribute as he's getting yanked in the third inning after giving up seven earned runs.
0: (laughs) I, I saw some people replying being like, well, maybe you just like make a really big emotional video for him and get in his head a little bit before the start. Like no, you <laughs> just with, keep with the Moderna
1: way. ad up behind home plate for the entire game.
0: <laughs> well, that's what would happen, right? They've been rocking that for like the past
1: week. Like so all if, over Robbie the stadium, Ray's, yeah.
0: if Robbie Ray is pitching in the game, yeah, then have the Vax advertisement.
1: Advertisement of the whole game. <laughs> All right. Um, the Seattle, they're going on. They have to finish up their series against Oakland. They've lost back-to-back. They got a series against the Royals coming up, but they're clearly showing that they can't beat bad baseball teams. So their series against KC gets interesting. And the Royals actually took, Back-to-back games from the Twins this week as well. Um, if you're a betting fan, then uh, that was a good weekend for you because the Royals were like criminally underrated in that series, and the Twins aren't playing great ball right now. Um, Jays six and a half back of the Yankees. Yankees have a four gamer against the Red Sox. Uh, s- give me your give me your percent chance that the Jays. What percent percent chance do you give the Jays of catching the New York Yankees? that's tough when the pirates were winning that game and the jays were also um
0: i think the jays were off that day or were they playing the day i can't remember specifically what happened while the yankees were losing that game to the pirates i was like this is happening the jays are going to catch the yankees the the yankees are going to lose like two of three to the pirates and then the jays are going to uh host the yankees and sweep them but now that the lead is what is it like six and a half games in the division now Yeah, the Yankees are now up six and a half. They're 90 and 58. The Jays are 84 and 65. If they had six more head-to-heads against each other, then maybe. But since it's only three, you don't have enough power to control what the Yankees are going to do. I think that's off the table now. I think now the number one priority is just hosting the wildcard game. I think catching the Yankees is, you can never say 0% because things happen, but it's close to zero. I just call it 1%. All right.
1: Fair enough. I give them a little bit more faith. You know, you sweep the Yankees, maybe it gets interesting. Maybe they're a little rattled. Maybe the Red yeah, Sox else have their way the Yankees way play the
0: rest of the way? What does that look like for them?
1: They get the Orioles, and then they end the season with Boston, a four-game a Baltimore, Texas. Like, that's, a, that's a pretty bad schedule. I don't
0: have too much faith in the Rangers getting the job done at the end of the year in that four-game set.
1: No, probably not. Yeah okay, I'll go five percent. I'll be a little bit more optimistic than you, but not uh, not super optimistic. I was the vibes guy. But it would Love be vibe. like it would be great if that series coming up against the Yankees at the Dome like really meant something, right? Like yeah. maybe things break your way. You take three of four. The Yankees lose three of four, and it's like okay, four and a half back. Let's get the sweep here. Like it'd be it'd be a great moment in the season. I'm just not superly optimistic that it's going to happen. Uh the other piece of news we should discuss before talking about this upcoming series is uh Baseball America has the Blue Jays signing a uh the fourth overall ranked international prospect for the 2023 signing period and Manuel Banea, who was born in 2006, Cam.
0: Yeah, that that's what immediately caught my eye. I saw that he was born in 2006, which To me, it feels like, okay, if a guy was born in 2006, that means he's five years old. Mm -hmm. Because we're living in 2011. I don't believe that it's 2022. So I see this name and I'm like, oh my goodness gracious, this (laughs) this makes me feel very old. But... In actuality, like an actual analysis here is that the Jays do really well in the international market. They've had quite a bit of success in the past, ranging from the big name signings, Vladdy, Lourdes Guriel, to the smaller name signings, like Alejandro Kirk, who had a tiny signing bonus. So when the Jays go and find a big name like this, you know, a big name, like a big name, if you're interested in international free agents, one of the top names out there, then you think, Oh geez, like, here we go. They've added another guy to the system who could quickly rock it up and become a key guy pretty soon. The the Jays have done very well with Latin American free agents. So that's exciting. This is an, an area they continue to do well. And I think it's positive for the Jays that they didn't ultimately switch international free agency to an international draft. Oh, I don't yeah. have like a tremendous amount of detail on my thoughts on that but I think that was that's positive for the Jays.
1: I think so as well. Um, Emmanuel Benilla is 16 years old. He's 6 foot 2, 190 pounds. That's He's insane. the big man. He is a big man. Uh, looks to be in line this according to BaseballAmerica.com uh, for a bonus in the $4 million area their brief sort of analysis of the outfield there is he has a high end, he has high end bat speed and the ability to drive the ball with impact giving him a chance to be a 25 plus home run threat scouts highest on Bonilla thought he had one of the best combinations of hitting ability and power in this class with a sound swing path and good approach uh, others thought he was a good fastball hitter who would have to make adjustments to get better against breaking stuff with a power over hit offensive profile so power hitting corner outfielder is kind of the way uh he probably profiles but again he's 16 years old so we're not going to read too too much into this right now call Um, him up hey listen him and the playoff run (laughs) call him up (laughs) Let's take our look ahead at the upcoming series for our friends at PointsBet Canada. It is a four-gamer against the Tampa Bay Rays, the starting pitching lineup for the Toronto Blue Jays. It's going to be Jose Barrios going tonight on Thursday in the opener. Friday, meh, who knows? Maybe we see a Trevor Richards opening again. Maybe we see a Richards to Pearson game.
0: Oh, now we're talking.
1: Right? Maybe we get a... Richards gets you once through the order. Pearson gets you once through the order, and then you just hand it off to the bullpen from there? Eh?
0: That's an interesting one. I, I, I didn't think about that as a possibility. I'd kind of just told myself in my head that Mitch White would be the guy going in the second game, because he, he pitched well in his last outing, though. He did go down to AAA after that and get lit up, but I've heard some words that, not to look too far into Mitch White having a rough time in AAA in that start because he was working on some other pitches. So it's a little bit more moot. I don't know. I, I don't really pay attention to how their starts going AAA all too much. So yeah. don't read too much into what I'm saying, but that's what I've heard from people who pay attention to, to prospects, quote unquote.
1: All right. Um, Game three, it'll be an Alec Manoa start on Saturday, and then Ross Stripling gets the finale. The Rays are a team. We just talked about it. They have not had a good week. They've lost three in a row. Uh, their offense is struggling a little bit right now. Over their last 10 games, Coombsy, they're only averaging 3.3 runs per game, and that includes the 11-run outburst against the Toronto Blue Jays. If you take that out in the nine other games in their last 10, they're only averaging 2.4 runs. You compare that to the Blue Jays, they're averaging 5.4 runs over their last 10 games, so 2.1 runs more than the Rays. If you take out the Jays' 18-run game for the sake of the argument, their average is still at 4 runs per game, so better than the Rays over the last 10. Um, The Jays, I think, are in a better spot than Tampa Bay right now. The standings obviously reflect that with the way the Jays have been able to sort of flip the script in the wildcard race recently, Um, but this is, like you said, not a Rays team that's playing really razy kind of baseball. They're they're, they're. These are winnable ball games.
0: They are, and I mean, the Rays have a pretty bad vibe going on right now. Yeah. I'm not sure if you saw, but on Twitter, uh, the news out of Tampa Bay was that two guys on the Rays were fighting in the parking lot. Not just two uh, guys. Tropicana.
1: Wander Franco and no, it was Randy Rosarena and Yandy Diaz. Yandy Diaz, sorry,
0: they got into a fight. The tweet was really funny as an aside because it was like, "Oh, like Randy Rosarena and Yandy Diaz are fighting in the parking lot," and everybody was quote tweeting it, being like, "Hey, look, I know the drop sucks, but it's not a parking lot; it is a ballpark." (laughs) But yeah, no. So um, both those two guys apparently got into a physical altercation in the parking lot after a game, and the next day they both weren't in the lineup. So I don't know if that's anything to read into. Guys get heated and fired up, and wrestle in the dressing room. It's not that big of a deal, but it is kind of interesting to see that as the Jays are going in. Hopefully this means the Tampa ship is crashing and the Jays can go in and sweep them in four games or even just take three. They're two games up on the Rays in the standings and they really do have a prime chance right now just to bury them. If they take three here, then it's pretty hard for Tampa to catch them in the
1: standings. Uh, You know what's going to happen, right? They're going to win the first three games of this series then lose an extra innings on Sunday and we're going to have to do the podcast being like, God... That left a bad taste in our mouths. You could have buried the Rays. The Orioles might have made the playoffs if you win that game. Um, But yeah, whatever. Yeah, they take three or four. We're going to try our best no matter what happens in the loss to not complain about anything on the next episode of this podcast.
0: So you're telling me if the Jays win the first three games and they're like, you know, tight Tampa Bay Rays in the prop games and they're like, oh yeah, this was really tight. And then in the Sunday game. If they go ahead and blow like a three-run lead in the eighth thing and don't pull off a sweep, we're going to be positive about it.
1: That's what you're saying. You're making that promise. Uh we're going to do our best. We're going to do. We'll try. <laughs> okay, uh, we're going to wrap this thing up. Shout out to our friends at PointsBet Canada. The Jays are favorites tonight over at PointsBet in this series opener. Minus one twenty on the money line, plus one thirty five on the run line as well. Coombsy, you enjoy this series, and uh, we'll chat again after the weekend. I will try. Best wishes.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.